Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is episode 251. And this week I am joined by two other awesome individuals, the first of which you have heard and learned from many a time, none other than Amanda Powell, the Director of Content Marketing over at Digital Marketer. Welcome back, Amanda. Thank you. Always happy to be here. Thanks. And uh, we are uh, joined by a special guest here, someone I think, I don't know, we've like canceled and rescheduled probably about 27 times by the time we actually got live today, at least. Uh, somebody who uh, we've actually, myself and, and he have worked together, God, at least for four years ago or inside of four years and have shared a number of customer accounts where we've worked uh, through direct response advertising and the stuff that he does, which he does so well, which I really wanted to get him on the show so he can sort of give us the goods and what's in that black box of how to make a really high converting direct response video. None other than Sassy Dazzle himself. Andrew Eckblad. Oh, now I got to talk about my background on that. Yeah, that. wait a minute. Now I'm like now, intrigued here. <laughs> Forget about your background, who you are. How'd you get the nickname Sassy Dazzle? So I started working in kind of internet marketing, I guess you could say, with Frank Kern back in 2008. And back then I played a lot more video games and my Xbox gamer tag was Sassy Dazzle. And the background behind that name is my friends and I, we just have really silly names because when we killed people, we wanted it to say killed by you know, sassy dazzle or whatever. <laughs> and anyway, Frank Kern heard that name and thought it was the best thing in the world. And so literally the day of our, that I interviewed with him, we were playing video games. I think it was call of duty or something. And uh, he found that out. And then he just referred to me as sassy dazzle basically for the next decade. Yeah. Actually for about two years, I don't think I knew your real name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, Andrew and I uh, worked together with Frank Kern for a couple of years. We spent out in San Diego uh, when we ran his ads for a while. And then we also worked together sort of indirectly with Genesis Digital, which you're still at right now as the video marketing manager. And then you started Convert Views, which is really your video agency for mostly e-commerce. And then you do some other cool movie long form related stuff as well. But your real focus and your real passion is high converting videos, which is something that we talk about here quite a bit on Perpetual Traffic. And it's a tool that you should be using if you're running Facebook or Instagram ads or any type of ad, YouTube ad or content just in general. And Andrew's work has really impressed me, not only the, through the years, but just working with him has been fantastic. And getting him on the show here today, hopefully we can give you some tips on what goes into a really high converting direct response video, as well as in today's environment, which I hate that phrase now, in today's environment. 
Yeah. How does video change? So we'll give you some tips and pointers from a pro like him on how you can do it as well. Keeping video out there, keeping your name out there, keeping the brand awareness out there, and obviously making conversions as much as possible. So uh, yeah, psyched to have you on the show, SAS. <laughs> I think I really did actually learn your name like after year three. Somebody said, do you know Andrew Eckblad? I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. No, never heard of them. <laughs> never heard of them. So if you could sort of explain, like, you know, you, you, you've you created stuff, stuff just recently, as a matter of fact, and we're still working together with, with customers, but uh, you created some videos just recently that I was just like amazed by. I'm like, who put those together so fast? And I all of a sudden realized they were yours. And we never actually got the chance to run them because they are for hand sanitizer. Hopefully by the time this podcast actually airs, Facebook will have, you know, figured that whole thing out so we could actually get these bottles of hand sanitizer into people that actually need them out there. But it was it was clear to me like there is like you have this innate ability to be able to see something very quickly with very minimal sort of outside input like who is the avatar? Like how do you sell it to people? And you just have this ability to be able to put together a video sort of out of thin air that converts. And I've seen you do it through customers that we've worked with and obviously this one Hopefully it will see the light of day, so to speak, you know, by the time it airs. But how do you kind of do that? Can you take us through sort of your mindset, how you think about it and all that? Yeah, I mean, I think so much of it has to do with who I've worked with over the past decade, you know, um, working under Frank Kern and Andy Jenkins. Just working so closely with those guys, you really learn what's important and what's not, not only in video, but in all aspects of direct response marketing. And I think I, I've taken a lot of that and applied it to video. So I think that's definitely one aspect. And the other aspect is just doing it so long, you get to see what works and what doesn't when you look at the analytics and you look at what's been successful and what hasn't. 
so yeah, I mean, talking about the the hand sanitizer ads, we cranked out real fast. Yeah, like you you got, and I know these guys that you work with. They probably said, "Hey, just create some videos that sell, and here's the product." And that was probably the inputs that you got, and the output was like, "Holy crap!" We yeah. need videos. So the first thing is, what does a video have to be when it's an ad? And to me, there's kind of there's kind of two pillars that I've kind of developed over the years, and that is, it has to be engaging first of all. And then it has to be compelling. As a direct response video, it needs those two things because if it's not engaging, no one's going to watch and they're not going to ultimately buy it. If it's not compelling, they're not going to buy. They may watch it, but they're not going to take action. So it's really about doing those two things. And for the hand sanitizer stuff, obviously those videos haven't run yet, so we don't know if they would have been successful. I think they would have been, especially with how how hot the market is right now. So to get the footage for that, first of all, I'd it was very simple. We wanted it to be authentic. And in order for it to be authentic, you just use your phone. I sent my wife out to get some shots of her grabbing the, the handle of a shopping cart and hitting the keypad at the checkout and all that stuff. And then, yeah, we threw those into some videos and put some music on it, put a headline on it. And, and that was it basically for those videos. But we, we kind of approached those videos in a couple ways because the idea was to test three videos, see what the market was going to respond to and then build off that which is what I like to do. So there's like an educational ad, which was kind of CDC information. We did a news clip ad where mm-hmm. it had people talking about the importance of sanitizer. And then the other one... I think it was like a news conference for like politicians or something. like. Yeah, that, that was our news one. And then there, yeah. oh, then there's one that was like, it was just a bunch of quick cuts of door handles being touched. Got it. Mm-hmm. That was the pattern interrupt. And then it showed like, a kid getting hand sanitizer put on their hands. You know, there's a title that kind of positioned it and then there's like a call to action. So it was super short, really direct. And the idea was to test like, we had like a long form educational ad versus like an ultra short direct pattern interrupt style ad. And we're going to kind of see which one did what. We will get it. (laughs) I think one of the key takeaways from that though is from a footage standpoint, we acquired footage just with our phones because it had authenticity and it would have grabbed attention in a platform like Facebook. So, you know, it's it, it it's not that difficult to make an ad if you if you just create some content and put titles to it, you know. But I feel like that makes so much sense in terms of, you know, you said your two pillars are how do I make it engaging and how do I make it compelling? And I think right now what people are engaging with, you know, like Ralph said and our current environment where a lot of us are stuck at, stuck at home or what people are engaging with are like what our real world is right now. And that's going to the grocery store and, you know, kind of thinking about touching the cart handle and thinking about touching the keypad that you said that your wife was able to film or touching doorknobs if you have to go somewhere. And that's, I think, what's engaging people right now is that content that is authentic in the way that that's the only way that we can interact right now. Like we're not, we're not going to be able to, I know at least from the digital marketer side and our video team, we're not going to be able to go into the studio or kind of film behind a backdrop. What we're able to do though is film at home on our cell phones, which is what you just said too. You're just filming, filming on your phone. Yeah. I mean, it's simple tools, but I think the way that that video, and I guess we're going to have to 
drop the video into the show notes now, now that we're talking about it. But the point is, is like, it's all point of view. It's all POV. It's like the thing that you're thinking about right now, but the way that it was actually shot, it wasn't somebody shooting your wife, opening the door or Mm -hmm. working the ATM. It was, or the, you know, the elevator buttons. It was her shooting herself doing it. So it was like point of view. It made it very intimate. And it's like, it's, it's that ability. Like you talk about engaging, make it engaging and compelling. It's like, that's something that sort of comes naturally to you. And I could see it. Like I immediately saw it because we've been doing this both a long time. And I said, all right, that is definitely a converting video without a doubt. And it's all these sort of reasons so you can explain it and break it down. But for you, it's like, if you had to define like what is engaging? Like how does somebody know, like let's say I've got a product, like what is engagement? And then secondarily to that, like what is compelling? And then obviously there's a conversion element that goes along with those too. Like how would you describe that to people to say, all right, here's sort of your process or how you think about it? So I think when you're talking about engaging, you're talking a lot about the technical aspects. So like the open, does the open speak to the desires of the customer or the desired outcome, or maybe like the problems they have or the fears they have, like with the hand sanitizer stuff. So the open is obviously critical when you're talking about advertising because you want people's you know, attention. I think attention is the greatest commodity online. So you really have just a couple seconds to, to take that attention and then you have to carry it through the video. So like talking about engaging, it's about the open, it's about the content of the ad, it's about authenticity it's about the edit like how fast does it move it's about music what does the music make the person feel it's about pattern interrupts throughout the video you know length could also play into it sometimes so there's a lot of technical elements when you're talking about making something engaging along with you know less technical elements like authenticity and stuff and then when i think and then when you talk about something that's compelling for e-com ads a lot a lot of the times that's demonstration makes things compelling you know, an offer makes things compelling. Authenticity plays into the compelling aspect as well. Trust, what you know, like where you put a call to action. So, I mean, something as simple as a call to action is something people forget all yeah. the time in video. Is someone's watching your video, you have to tell people what you want them to do when the video is done. That's like right. video marketing 101. But then you could play with that call to action. Sometimes you put a call to action in the middle of a video on an ad. Sometimes you tell people what to do at the bottom of the video even before it's done because you know not everyone's going to make it to the end of the ad. So between the two pillars, there's a lot of things that affect the video. But I think at the end of the day, one of the most important aspects is authenticity and grabbing that attention. Well, I think what what's really particularly interesting about the, you know, the process you just described is that it's very similar to like the process that Ryan would describe when he's writing copy. It's essentially just, you know, making sure that you're being authentic, making sure you have a good opener, making sure that your CTA is placed in the correct place, making sure that you're keeping people's attention because you know you're not going to make it through. And that's what I mean, I think that's so important in terms of one, when you're writing copy, but two, I think it's interesting that it's, you know, you're essentially, you're writing like a sales page, but in video form. And it it applies the same elements of marketing throughout different channels, which I think is so important to recognize of like, 
once you know the core, you know, the foundational aspects, you can apply it to more than just writing copy or, you know, then you can also create a video using those same elements um, that are important across, you know, all marketing channels. Yeah, absolutely. It even goes to like when you see headlines on Facebook ads. Well, that headline kind of is the same structure as a headline that you'd see on a landing page mm-hmm. for the product or something. It has, you know, you need the same attention grabbing elements uh, to frame what it is people are looking at. So we talked about the two critical elements that you need for a good direct response at video ad or video. We, I say video ad, but really it's a video in essence, and then it's put into become an ad. But the point is, is that it's engagement and it's compellingness. Wait a second. It's in, make it engaging and make it compelling, right? Isn't that what you said? That's my new favorite word. So compellingness and engagingness. Those two elements. So do you have an example of maybe a product that you've recently sold? I know you, you're doing a lot, obviously, uh, with convert views for e-com. Do you have an example of one that you sort of thought of? You just sort of saw the product. You're like, all right, I got it. I know how to engage and I know how to do that. So I think on the on the e-com side of things, we had a we had a product that essentially it's survival food, and we needed a kind of a pattern interrupt. This was before the virus, which obviously it blew up after that hit. But before mm-hmm. then, we were trying to kind of reframe what survival food is, and so we had a huge spread of food on a table, and the food looked fantastic, it looked really good, and the open was this is survival food. So that was our our interrupt. And we were trying to capture attention and reframe what people thought of survival food. And then the, the ad went through the product of what it is, what they get, shelf life, and all that stuff. But that converted really well. And I think just approaching a product in a way that's a little unexpected is, some, is, a, is a great way of, of grabbing attention on that front end. Yeah. So it's, it's shattering a popular myth, right? And I guess in that way, you're reframing. You say it's reframing. It's like you think of this stuff kind of off the top of your head. So uh, I, I can actually see it in my mind's eye. All right, you've got like this slow uh, pan over like a beautiful, like, you know, uh, buffet of food or a table of food, right? Mm-hmm. And then the B-roll comes up and says, this is survival food. Yeah, it was, you're real close. It was, a, it was like a profile shot of a table in the, and it was kind of scrolling along or it was tracking along, you would say, the table. And then within a second, it, you know, a big title came down and said, this is survival food. And then by second three, you're already out of that going into the next thing. So I think that that ended up even before the outbreak is doing like a 2.8 or a three row as or something like that on a pretty expensive product. So that like something like that worked really well for sure. But what's interesting is like, so something that might work for direct response on Facebook, especially e-com might be totally different for something that's like a SaaS company. I mean, based on what you're saying, it, it sounds like like you're you're so targeted in your audiences based on like you said, it might not work to a specific audience, but you know, what Ralph had said at the beginning was that you're particularly good at, you know, honing in on exactly who your avatar is, which I think is so important when you're especially when you're running ads. And even when you're creating, you know, even when you're creating content on the organic side, whenever you're running it just organically, making sure that you're targeting the right people. I mean, do you have a way that you're kind of honing in on exactly who the avatar is for each of the products that you're trying to create these videos for? Yeah, I don't don't think I have a formula or any like method. Unfortunately, I think a lot of it is instinct 
from just who I've worked with for so long. Mm -hmm. I know that's not valuable to anyone, but, (laughs) um, you know, I, I think when it comes to video ads, whether it's for e-com or it's for SaaS or it's for anything, I think you have to keep it simple, first of all, because people don't have time to take in a lot, um, Mm -hmm. especially on today's, you know, social media platforms. It's keep it simple because obviously, like they always say, a confused mind doesn't buy and a confused mind doesn't click a video ad to see what's next. So it's keep it simple would be kind of the first thing I would say. And then you know, speak to the problem, speak to what the consumer, what their issue is. If it's, if it's safety for their family, then it's survival food. If it's keeping a, a car clean, then it's this product. If it's having a better way to email your customers, then it's this product. Um, so speak to the problem, speak to the, to the desire and uh, keep it simple. And, you know, that goes back to knowing what the purpose of the video is, whether it's a VSL or an ad, you don't, want to confuse people you don't want it to be longer than it has to be you don't have to say everything that the product does in the in one video you don't have to say that they get a 30-day money-back guarantee in the video because they're going to see that on the landing page so you have Mm -hmm. to edit those things out and just speak to the to the desire and the outcome and doing it in an engaging and compelling way and then let the sales let the landing page let the bsl do the rest of the work later on yeah, when you're saying the, the the job of the video ad is really is to get the click. I mean, it's selling the click. You're not selling the thing right there. It's pre-framing it. Yeah. And, you know, if you can get that click, then, yeah, you don't have to put everything into the video because obviously that's the job of the sales page. But it's a pretty chunky front-end video. Your sales page doesn't need to be extremely long from what we found. Like, it needs to be just sort of short. Like, let them buy, you know, especially if the price point is is amenable. So it's like a lot of those things you just kind of get to know with, with, uh, with time doing it. You mentioned pattern interrupt a lot. And we all sort of take it for granted as to what mm-hmm. it is. But I mean, if listeners of the show might not know what that is, but what is your definition of a pattern interrupt and why it's so important, you know, especially in the first three to six seconds of a video, or is it that important in the first three to six seconds? I think, of a video? Um, it, it kind of has evolved over the years. When I worked with Frank, my background was more television. And to me, a pattern interrupt was, you know, so he would be driving in a car and he would say something for a little bit. And a pattern interrupt would be a new location or cutting to the car driving and then him walking in somewhere and then continuing what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, or switching the music would be a pattern interrupt. More cutaways would be a pattern interrupt. So mm-hmm. like those are more traditional pattern interrupts. When you're talking about video ads for e-com, it's a little different. A pattern interrupt might be a lot of quick cuts in the first few seconds. It might be reframing what people think about things like the survival food or for hand sanitizer, you know, 20 shots of, a, of doorknobs in two seconds. And then, you know, having a title that frames what they're about to watch. Like, I'm a big fan of, of real big, bold, simple titles in video ads. I think a, a mistake a lot of people make with social media ads, it, they, they have a lot of busy footage with titles on the bottom or the top, and no one consumes those titles because they're looking at the, the video. So, like, I love showing something and then cutting to a, a full screen title and then showing something and cutting to a full screen title. And even that is kind of a pattern interrupt in its own way because you're switching up what they're consuming so quickly mm. uh, visually. So those are referred to as quick cuts in your 
Yeah. And part of it is I've been editing so long. I kind of just have a good feel of how long something should be or, or how long it should stay on screen. Mm. Um, and the other half of it is you got to be a critic of your work. You can't make something and be like, wow, that's so good. I mean, I just made something so great. This is awesome. What, you know, what can I do here? Give you know, you could challenge yourself. If something is two minutes, say, how can I make this 30 seconds and still say the same thing? Because mm-hmm. there's a way to do that. There's a way you could take a 10 minute video and make it a one minute video as hard as it might be. It's possible with editing. And so I think challenging yourself constantly, you could say something without losing the meat of the message is an important aspect of at least editing, I believe. And I think my back, like I said, my background is editing and my strongest attribute I'd say would be editing. So I think like, you know, just don't be a fan of your own work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a pretty humble guy. So I know that's the case. So what's your ideal time for it? Like, what are you, when you're generally creating these ads? Cause I know that face, like, you know, it used to be, you know, no more than 30 seconds. And then it was like, oh, Facebook, I know at least on our social side was like kind of uh, ramping up on the longer videos. So what's your, when you're running these ads now, what is your like ideal time frame? I think when you have something that's authentic, you could go a pretty long time if you're demo- like, so we have a client where we had a five minute video and it just mm-hmm. crushed it. And it was really, it was like shot with a cell phone and they're demonstrating this product and it was real simple, but it was long, but it, it felt, it felt real. It felt like something your friend posted, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And yeah. so like it, it worked really well. And then we have some videos that are 30, 45 seconds that work really well that are kind of more, more produced. They're more edited. There's kind of like, you know, if you had like a, a mashup of testimonials or something, the things I've never seen work well for at least the clients I've worked with is the, is like six or 15 second ads, the six <laughs> second ads. Yeah. Um, I, I think Google is probably pushing them because it's more ad real estate they could sell. So like, I think they want more of that and they could, it's easier for them to run. That's the theory. I don't know that if, if that's true or not, but like those six second ads, people are just waiting for them to be done so right. they could watch what they want to watch. They're waiting to hit that skip button. And unless they're really targeted to your customer and that, that open is really strong, they might work. But we've made a lot of six second ads and we've never gone back to them because they just, I don't know. It's like the long form stuff just seems to work better. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I think we've evolved because Facebook has kind of pushed us every time we get on a call mm-hmm. with them. They do definitely push the shorter, uh, shorter form videos, but what we have found is that short form like GIF videos definitely prompt a click, which is actually pretty good. So, mm-hmm. because they're so easy to make and then there's slideshows that you can do inside Facebook now. So those do help. We actually have a case study on three different landing pages for a customer when one of the ads was like a GIF ad and that was the one that actually had the highest conversion rate on the page. So it's like, we're always constantly sort of shifting our mindset, but I think we defer to, I say, make it under 120 seconds if you can, you know, because that way, you know, you're going to get an Instagram and Facebook and that's all we do at tier 11. But the point is, is like, you can get a lot into 60 seconds too. Mm -hmm. Six to 15 seconds, kind of tough. Yeah. But what's interesting is that then if you go into the SaaS world where you really are trying to give value on the front end, then those rules kind of shift because it's like, well, how can I... How can I give these customers some sort of value so that they move to the next step of the funnel? Because yeah. you can't 
you know, demonstrating software isn't ever really going to be compelling. So especially if someone doesn't know what it is. So I think <laughs> like doing uh, front end value by teaching what's important to them or teaching kind of what's a blocker for them is something that works really well in SaaS. And SaaS is always a tricky thing to, to advertise. Yeah. I mean, that's one that you work on all the time and have been doing it for quite some time. Like, how do you actually do that? Like for maybe not Genesis Digital specifically, but I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, you're in essence with, I don't, I forget specifically with Genesis, like it's usually a consultation or a demo in the case of a SaaS, right? Like that's sort of the ask in in most cases, unless it's just, you know, something on a purchase page or on a sales page. But like, how do you do something like that where you, it's really kind of hard to kind of do you do the demo of the thing? Like, how do you do it? I think you can speak to this as well, because you know the different levels of customers and where they are in the, in the journey better than I do. But I know like testimonials are something that work for everybody with everything a lot mm-hmm. of times. But a lot of people will hear a testimonial and they don't really know what they're talking about. So you have to give them videos that are, again, speaking to the problem, but the video can't be you saying, hey, look, I'm going to help you set up your your autoresponder. <laughs> Let me walk you through this software. And it's like, okay, well, no one's going to care about that. But maybe the video is, let me give you the, the best headlines using an email that will get X, Y, Z. And then eventually that leads to the SaaS product as a solution. But yeah, it's a lot trickier. There's a lot more steps in SaaS than there is in e-com, mm-hmm. I feel like. It's funny that you brought that up because that's almost exactly what we were talking about. I can't remember the episode number, Ralph, but I'm sure we can put it in the notes of what we were talking about with Molly a few weeks ago in terms of using testimonials, but not in the kind of historic way that they've been used, but using them as like, you know, more of a native ad that um, allows people to kind of give a testimonial while also providing value in the ad and not just kind of saying why something's so great, but describing something that a customer might be able to use in the future. Like, like you said, I think like headlines or, you know, something that's actually useful to, to the customer. And we had a conversation about how not only using testimonials like on the, you know, bottom of the funnel, but using them on the top of funnel because they can be useful as like a, a tool to drive, to drive people to click and not just as that kind of end all end game that they're historically used as. Yeah. Yeah. And that was back in episode 242. We'll leave all the links in the show notes here, Mm -hmm. but yeah, a hundred percent. And it might not happen on the first touch too. Like we're talking about like, Hey, they watch a video and they buy. Well, you know, probably 97% of the time, 90, like 97% <laughs> of the time you're doing really good. Like, then they say no, that means that's a 3% conversion rate on your click. You know, it can't all be hand sanitizer during a bar. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a little bit like shooting fish in a barrel to a certain degree, but still like the video has to portray it and has to be done right. But the point is it's like, we're talking about like the first click, first view, like one in a hundred are probably going to buy in most cases, unless you have a really, really good product like hand sanitizer potentially. But the point is, is like, it's going to involve multiple touch points. And I think on that episode with Molly on 242, we talk about, oh, we usually use testimonials on like our deeper levels of traffic, level two, three, four, uh, as we refer to it in the ads amplifier. But we're using a lot more on level one traffic, exactly like mm-hmm. you say. Like, how do you relay that value in advance? Well, <laughs> the, <laughs> the way to sell is by having other people tell your audience how good you are and we do that through testimonials. But 
not just in a block like standard format. They can be intertwined into content, which is what we talked yep. about on that episode. It's a really effective way of selling. Yeah, testimonials have always I've always seen as being effective across almost every product or platform. And it's tough because not everyone has testimonials or could get testimonials very easily. But but if you could make the effort to get them, they seem to always always work well. Yeah, they do. And uh, I'll leave a, a resource in the show notes, uh, a resource that we use and recommend to our customers called getbravo.com. I should get an affiliate link for them for crying out loud. I push <laughs> I their stuff so <laughs> much. I know. I, they need to reach out to me and just pay me millions of dollars. But no, it's it's actually, it's a great way of getting testimonials and you know, doing it in the right way, I think is, uh, we talked about that in episode 242. Um, so getting back to in this environment, uh, sassy dazzle, uh, like how do people do this now? Like you've got like the $50,000 camera and all kinds of crazy studio gear. Like nobody has that level of sophistication, but you know, I'm stuck at home. I'm trying to market my business or I'm an agency or a consultant or whatever it happens to be. Like, how do I consult my customers on how to do this? Or how do I do it for myself at home? And what are the tools that, that you would use and maybe some tips from a, from a professional? Yeah, I think first and foremost, don't let technology get in the way of just getting something done. Like mm-hmm. so many people, you know, spend hours and hours researching the best camera, you know, when in reality, everyone's just going to watch this video on their little phone. That's a three inch <laughs> screen. And so it's like, you don't need, you don't need the best of the best to do it. You just need to do it and, and just you know, create something. And I think the the best tool for that for most people is their cell phone. You know, I mean, the video cameras on cell phones are amazing these days. So just get your spouse or your friend or something and have it, you know, point it at you and use the old Frank Kern, uh, tell them what you got, tell them what it'll do for them and tell them what to do next. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the least resistance to getting something done. When, you know, when you're, when you're talking about what works best, I think on Facebook and stuff, honestly, something like a cell phone works really well because it creates a level of authenticity. It goes back to what we were talking about. If someone's scrolling the feed, they see something that's polished, they're going to keep scrolling. They don't care about it. They see something that looks like their friend shot it, they might give it just one or two seconds, and that's enough time for you to hook them and speak to them and speak to the problem. So I think when you're talking about um, ads, a lot of times something like a cell phone works really well. Uh, when you're talking about SaaS, you know, we have some fancier equipment at Genesis Digital. We have a really nice studio and we use that for things like BSLs or we use it for things with training or information products because we want that the company to be a little more elevated when it comes to that sort of thing. So it depends on what the video is, what the video is for. But honestly, for most people, from a camera perspective, um, if you don't own a camera, you know, use your phone because those cameras are really amazing. And then the other thing is, I think audio is something that's overlooked and that's very important. I would say audio is almost more important than video these days because all the video is so good. And again, a lot of people listen to things more than they watch things, I think. Mm-hmm. Like how, many, how many people run Netflix in the background? Yes. Uh, you know, like oh. people are listening to everything. So I think getting something like a 20 or $30 wired lav microphone that plugs into your phone or whatever camera you have is will pay off you know a hundred times over because having that good audio is really important that's so i love that you said that like our our promotions manager is also you know he 
he also is in the like the film scene in um in Austin and one thing that he did during a recent workshop was uh kind of show everyone what one of our VSLs looked like with, you know, featuring Ryan. And he made the video like pretty grainy, but kept the audio really great. And then made the video really high definition, but made the audio really crappy. And everyone um, that he was presenting to was like, oh, definitely, definitely the one with the better audio. Who cares about who cares about the image? I just want to I if I can't understand what they're saying, I'm going to tune out. I think we almost were kind of conditioned to think the opposite, but I feel like that's so true, especially in this day and age. That's uh, We always have Netflix running and I just want to hear what's going on. I, I'm never really looking at the screen. I'm always doing multitasking and doing something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And you know, if you go into like the film world, that's the biggest mistake of young filmmakers is they put so much energy into the image and no energy into the audio. And you'll see like an independent film that's really low budget and the audio is terrible. And it's like, it, it ought, you just dismiss the film immediately mm-hmm. um, or if they put a little money into getting a sound guy and getting really good dialogue and everything, it, it pays off. And I think that's true in a lot of areas that just audio is just always overlooked. Yeah. And uh, the caveat to audio, especially for, you know, for Facebook and Instagram ads, especially is, is subtitles for us. Like it's, a, it's almost a must like, and just go to a, uh, you know, uh, there's plenty of services out there that add those in, but mm-hmm. 90 plus percent of video on Facebook and Instagram depends on kind of which metrics Facebook uses. But the majority of it, nine out of 10 people, let's say, just sort of generalize, watch a video without the sound on. So you're missing out on all of them if you're not at least doing captions. So that's the reason why I like large titles, like large <laughs> independent bold titles. Yeah. Because yep. they just they stand out for a second and forces the viewer to read them in between video totally totally i i think of that as like text overlay or b-roll but you're being able to portray the message of the video not just visually you can do it visually obviously but if, if there's no talking if it's not like a talking head video or something like that there is that component to it you do actually have to sort of engineer for sound off and, you know, as Facebook mm-hmm. says, delight with sound on. That's actually something that they tell us all the time. Yeah, isn't that a good one? I didn't think of it. But the point <laughs> is, is that it's actually, it's really, really important because a lot of our videos in Tier 11 are talking head videos, are like teach and pitch video, peer education video, like these types of videos where it's a spokesperson. Even the ones that we do for our own services are the same kind of way. So super important. And I'll leave a, a couple of links in the show notes for some good microphones, like one that's like 70 bucks, the one that I use and it's great mm-hmm. and it transformed the video it makes such a big difference it's like what was i doing all those years of that echoey kind of crappy you know iphone sound and the iphone isn't bad but it's like as soon as you get a lav mic and you know how to use it it's pretty clutch yeah it's a different level and it really makes a big difference for sure yeah. Just as long as you're not using Amanda's uh, iPhone, which is what, an iPhone 4? The original one? Yeah, that's basically what we're at. It's an 8, but it, it sounds... I tried to film something for our video team the other day, and it sounded like I was underwater. I don't know what's gone wrong. Something's gone terribly wrong. <laughs> Upgrade to the 9. Andrew, I really appreciate you uh, coming on today's show, given the goods here. So basically, uh, you know, you don't need to necessarily create videos to Andrew Ekblad's Sassy Dazzles level. So if you got an iPhone and you got like the lav mic, you're doing pretty good. Yeah, I think that's that's the that's a big takeaway is we live in an interesting time where 
uh, fancy actually converts worse than mm-hmm. romantic, and yeah. people should be taking advantage of that. It's it's just a good time to to do ads. Yeah, and uh, you know, the, another one that we use inside Terrell, we say this all the time, is you know, stand out by fitting in inside the newsfeed. Make it look like mm-hmm. it is more organic, and you know, I mean, it depends on your product, obviously. But the point is, is that if you can make it real and authentic, and I think you said those words multiple times when you're talking about like how to mm-hmm. create converting videos here, Andrew. I think you're you're you know you're you're moving in the right direction, and you can do it without the fancy you know, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. But if you do need that kind of level, then I think there's a guy on the show that might be able to help you out with that. So where can people find you if they wanted to check out what you do? Um, yeah, so I'm off the market for SaaS stuff because I'm, I'm committed to Genesis Digital and I love working with them. But if you have e-com products, I have a, a company called ConvertViews.com and I have a handful of editors that I've hand-trained on how to you know make these ads and so uh us and them can can crank out ads really quickly if needed and and again that's primarily uh e-commerce direct response video marketing stuff that's where to go so that's convertviews.com and andrew at convertviews and i'll get back to you eventually yeah i think one other thing that people should should also take away from this is that analytics matter as much in videos they do on anything else like landing pages and stuff and so people when they're creating ads, you know, create different versions, create different headlines, create um, different opens and test it, you know, see what's working mm-hmm. and build off it. And something we do at ConvertViews is we really look at the analytics and we really look at what's converting and what's working. And then we build off of that. And, you know, in a month, two months, three months, we start getting really high conversions because we're able to see what's working and what's not. And, you know, we, we just kind of keep building off those things and that pays off in spades after a, after a little while. Yeah. I mean, it's not all about just like doing what we're doing here. I mean, you do have a conversion element to this whole thing Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. It's not about like how much percentage of your video you can watch. Yeah. That does help. It's a, it's a secondary indicator, but at the end of the day, it really is all about conversions. At least the stuff that we're talking about here. I mean, most of your work is conversion based. Yeah. And companies will spend a lot of time and a lot of money split testing all aspects of a funnel, but then they just throw a video out. (laughs) <laughs> and they don't realize that like if you do XYZ on a video, your ROAS could go from one five to one eight or two. And when you're spending $150,000 on traffic, that adds up pretty quickly. And so yeah. it's worth, you know, it's worth putting that energy into a video, just like you're putting the energy into the landing page and the headlines and the copy and the, but- the color of the buttons and, you know, all that other stuff. So uh, for larger, more established companies, I think that's something they should focus more on is is the video yeah. analytics. Yeah, big time. Well, very cool. Well, now that they're listening to this show, now they will all know that. So <laughs> thanks to you. <laughs> I mean, don't do that. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Don't waste the time. Don't waste the time. Just hire ConvertFuse. Yeah. Uh, so no, seriously, thanks for coming on the show. This this uh, this one here, It's obviously it was a long time in the making. We'll have to have you back on. Uh, yeah, I love talking to, uh, about this stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Maybe back on after we get the hand sanitizer uh, you know, <laughs> approved. Am I beating that into like as a completely a dead horse here? But anyway, 
Okay, I thought we want to run it so bad. <laughs> we want to run it so bad. The videos are so good. So, it, please. please, please, Facebook. So anyway, so all the resources and links that we mentioned here, there's quite a few of them. Uh, we will uh, have them in the show notes. So head over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. This has been episode 251. Thank you, Amanda Powell. Thank you, Andrew Ekblad, Sassy Dazzle. (laughs) And until next week, everybody, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.